Thank you for joining Exaron Podcast. I'm your host Eddie Adel. Today I have with us Mr. Hiren Bande. He's the head of ARVR Product Management at Qualcomm Technologies. He leads the expansion of virtual reality and augmented reality programs. He's the product management and strategy partnership leader with 15 plus years of deep experience in defining product roadmap and strategy. And he's been part of launching world class VR AI devices, smartphones, and smartwatches. Virtually, really appreciate this Hiren doing this for us. So can you start by explaining what microchip is, what does it do, and how has Qualcomm chips been enabling the world's most popular VR devices? Sounds good. Uh, first of all, uh, thank you very much for having me on this podcast. I'm really excited. Uh, I've always been very passionate to talk about uh, VR, AR, my love for VR and AR, uh, but also as a Qualcomm employee, being very proud to represent this platform. Uh, and uh, it, it's... Uh, this one is also special because I'm talking to uh, my friends in India and I do know that while AR and VR has not made a significant presence in that country just yet, it's a not it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And once it does, uh, it's, I'm hoping that uh, this conversation uh, or what we discuss and predict and talk about in this conversation happens in reality soon. So let me start with the uh, response to your question about microchips and the way I usually respond uh, to that question when I explain to my friends and family who are like, hey, what do you do at Qualcomm? What's Qualcomm? What are semiconductors? It's usually, uh, you know, just like how we uh, have a brain. Uh, the human beings have a brain. Uh, all these electronic devices need a brain of its own. Uh, the, the phone needs it, the VR AR devices need it, any embedded technology, and that's what a chip chipset is or microchip is at a very high level. And just like how human beings have, a, uh, there's a left brain, there's a right brain, which is an analytical part of the brain, and there's a creative part of the brain. The analytical part of the brain helps with all analytics or what's called as a quants, and the creative part of the brain is what drives the creative energy of human beings. Similarly, um, any microchip that we produce, we, again, this is an analogy, we have like uh, a modem, which is the analytical part, it does all the data transfer, voice calls, uh, so on and so forth. And then there's a creative part, which is the application processor, where we have the uh, graphics engine and the video engine and the audio engine and the DSP uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, and that's what the brain is. So when you power up any device, when you power up a phone, when you power up a VR, AR device, uh, the fact that there is an operating system that comes up and there are some instructions that it has to follow. Just like when you wake up in the morning and you know that there's an instruction, you've got to brush your teeth and you've got to wash your face and then you've got to uh, take care of your kid's lunch or whatever it is, the, the brain's giving those instructions. That's what a, a chipset does. And um, we have, uh, we as in Qualcomm, has been in a prime position to uh, work on the future of technologies that drive uh, devices like smartphones and AR, VR. Uh, and it's, of course, this I'm keeping at a very high level. There's a lot more complexities and challenges that go as a part of that, but uh, that's uh, that's what a uh, microchip is. And for AR, VR, I do believe that it becomes even more complicated because you have a device that's sitting on your head. Uh, you can't expect the device to uh, be, to get hot, or you can't expect the device to really, um, uh, it needs to have a longer battery life. So all of these uh, aspects, while keeping your user experience, uh, is something that the microchip plays an integral role uh, as a part of the device. What made you choose extended reality as a career choice? Uh, you know, it happened to me by chance. Uh, in 2015, 
I had just wrapped up my MBA from uh, Berkeley and I was, um, there was an amazing uh, opportunity to go join a startup in the Bay Area uh, where one of my ex-colleagues uh, was working. And uh, one of my um, uh, one of my uh, ex-bosses, uh, he's an ex-boss now, and a very good friend, uh, Tim Leland, uh, he heard about uh, the fact that I was thinking of moving on. And so he gracefully reached out and said, hey, there's this uh, team I'm building and uh, there's uh, VRs and opportunity, which I think uh, you with your experience in uh, OS and uh, systems and overall background, uh, it, it might be a good fit for you. Why don't you think about it? Uh, I've uh, loved uh, the aspect of working on a new technology. So at that time, it just felt like a no-brainer to uh, uh, work uh, and experience this new technology. And it, I, I couldn't have uh, thanked him for that opportunity uh, because uh, I would have uh, missed out on learning. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, uh, as a part of your career, if you're able to learn and work with uh, good people, I think it makes the journey really meaningful. And for me, this the journey so far has been extremely fulfilling in terms of the people I've worked with, the challenges I've faced, uh, the successes uh, we've seen and the battles we've lost, uh, be it internally, be it with partners, with everything like any other engagement. Hugo uh, um, Swart, who's our VP and GM at Qualcomm, uh, speaks about uh, how much we as a company are invested in the success of uh, this uh, technology as well. Lovely, lovely. So, so Google Glass had uh, your XR1 chip. So, so what have been the key learnings from Google Glass? I can't necessarily speak specific to the learnings of that particular yeah. project, but I can tell you that, uh, you know, I, I always share this. If you wake up any ARVR engineer in the middle of the night at Qualcomm and tell them what is the key priority in terms of product, it's always high performance, low power consumption, ultra low latency. And what that means is when you put on a device like a Google Glass device, and you see a virtual character, let's say you're wearing a device and just not a Google, any device, for that, any AR device, uh, the device needs to be light. Like uh, I have my sunglasses here. Uh, and if you see, this is the future of glasses that we really target, right? Today, can we do this? We cannot, but I mean, imagine like having a, a chipset here and you're running all the, um, the processing, the compute processing there. How can we go and make iterative steps to reach a smaller form factor, so size is really critical, have really low power consumption so that the phone or the, the device does not lose its battery in like 30 minutes, and how good the performance can be in terms of what you're seeing in front of your eyes uh, at ultra low latency. Like when you move your head, let's say there's a virtual Spider-Man sitting on the table. You move your head and then you look back, you want the Spider-Man to be sitting right there and to yeah, for it to be right there. Um, I can talk about multiple examples for VR as well, but those are the kind of learnings that we do and we see how we can continuously we can improve step by step. Uh, you know, it's with every single individual small step getting over uh, certain challenges. This is what we try to learn from any of our projects, be it our engagement with um, uh, Facebook and Oculus on the Go and the Quest and the Quest 2, or uh, even as far as our engagement uh, with any of the other lead uh, customers. We learn and then we help uh, develop better chipsets. And the amazing thing is, 
Qualcomm is at the center of the growth of ARVR, where we are able to work with all our customers and learn from them so that we can help produce better products and better chipsets to drive this technology forward in the future. We're living in exciting times and the glasses that you pointed out to, I'm sure it's going to be reality maybe in another possibly five, ten years, you know. So Oculus Quest 2 is the first commercial VR headset with the XR2 chipset. So could you talk a little bit more about the partnership with Facebook and basically the capabilities of the XR2 chip? Both companies are extremely happy to work with each other, right? I mean, uh, and I think we've, we've been on this journey for the last five years. Uh, we worked on, I was there as a part of the kickoff meeting of uh, Oculus Go and Oculus Quest. And I just feel proud of where we've come. Uh, like for this particular, uh, so the Oculus Quest 2, I have it right here. Uh, the fact that this has a product that we discussed a few years ago that we designed uh, in 2017. And now it's here. Uh, we had Zuckerberg talk about the relationship with Qualcomm and how we've uh, been able, we've launched this device. Uh, so it's, it's amazing. I think uh, they are truly uh, invested in the success of this space as they've publicly spoken. And we are totally committed to the success of this space as we've publicly spoken. So when forces like these uh, come together, uh, it helps accelerate the development of technology faster. Uh, now, I have to say, uh, and I'm not being uh, diplomatic here, uh, Qualcomm is an amazing company that sustains, uh, that develops, strengthens, and sustains strong relationships with its partners. It takes its partnerships very uh, seriously. I, I, as an Android product manager 10 years ago, I saw the same thing that we did with Google. Uh, we're doing that with uh, Facebook and Microsoft and HTC and multiple partners with whom we've publicly launched devices today and with other partners with whom we've started working uh, that are not public yet. So I think we find ourselves in, um, I personally find myself to be lucky to uh, have those experiences and it's it's been a fun ride so far. Now, your second question was about the capabilities of XR2. As we were discussing, XR2 is, you know, it's another microchip um, which was specifically designed for ARVR devices in 2020. And we began this uh, work three years ago, uh, uh, actually more, uh, slightly more than three years ago now. And the aspect of making sure that this de device, uh, this chipset focuses on high performance, low power, low latency was of course the principles on which we work. But then we also wanted to make sure that it has elements that helps with VR devices. Uh, this particular chipset has the ability to have seven concurrent cameras. So, uh, for example, when you wear a VR device today, like even Oculus Quest, for an example, or a Quest 2, there are four cameras, two for head tracking and two for uh, controllers tracking. Uh, and sometimes it uses a combination of both. But uh, there are companies that want more cameras, so two that track your eyes, because as your eyes move uh for iris authentication, so that once you put on your glasses, um, they just know that it's you. Uh, so that that helps, uh, or even to reduce power. There's a lot of benefits of eye tracking. So two cameras for eye tracking, uh, two cameras for head tracking, two for controller, and then there could be one RGB camera for uh, what's called as a video see through or mixed reality. So there's multiple combinations in which these cameras could be used. And traditionally, smartphone uh, chipsets did not support. Uh, multiple cameras and especially multiple concurrent cameras. So that's something that XR2 uh, provides. 
Other than that, XR2 has uh, high graphics capabilities. Uh, the high graphics capabilities has helped. Uh, it was specifically designed to ensure that uh, VR uh, products like Oculus Quest and Quest 2, uh, and XR2 specifically for Quest 2, uh, they require high horsepower in terms of the graphics and compute capabilities. So those are the kind of uh, changes that we did. XR2 is uh, will uh, is is by far amongst my top uh, favorite products that I personally worked on, and I think the launch of Quest Two is um, is is very uh, uh, meaningful and personal as a part of my career journey. Oculus as a company, obviously in partnership with you guys, has been that company which has been driving. Uh, adoption of this technology and and I, i'm sure oculus quest 2 is going to play a huge role and could possibly be the catalyst for you know driving uh, the adoption of ar vr globally so xr2 is also 5g and ai enabled how do you view these two transformational technologies enabling AR, VR as a technology? Think about uh, AR, VR is another platform, right? So it's a platform for experiences. Uh, think of AR, VR, just like how smartphone has been a platform for uh, connection uh, to, uh, uh, for data connection, for voice communication as well. Uh, and as a part of this connectivity that's established on smartphones, you can today right from order an Uber to order food, to check the weather, to send messages. Uh, AR, VR is going to have a lot of uh, what we call as immersive experiences for in VR where you're able to find yourself in a different world than where you are right now. And AR where you're able to extrapolate uh, the digital or uh, data in the spatial worlds. Uh, and that's why it's called a spatial computing in the space around you. Now, what's required as a part of that is First of all, this data that comes real time in front of your eyes has to be extremely meaningful. Uh, it has to be contextual. So uh, you might enjoy, say, coffee and cappuccino, and I might uh, be a big fan of um, pasta or, say, uh, cricket, for example, right? And when if, if I'm if both of us are wearing glasses, uh, uh, other than showing the weather information, the news information. If you're walking down the streets, you're getting information to, hey, there's this famous coffee, uh, there's a cafe barista here that you should try. Or for me, it's saying that, hey, there's a T20 match today uh, uh, that you can tune in at 6 p.m. Those contextual information requires AI. And that AI is, of course, needs to be on the device. And uh, there's, of course, an element of what needs to happen in the cloud. But even on the device, it needs to be really uh, powerful. So that's where the whole AI comes into a place where getting the knowledge becomes important uh, at uh, and making it contextually relevant. Now, we know that there's a platform, a device, which is going to get that information. We know that we require intelligence of this information, which is AI. Now, what we really also need is the ability to get this information in extremely uh, short periods of time, like really low latency and high bandwidth. A mix of this high bandwidth and low latency is the mantra of 5G, right? I mean, 5G is like essentially much bigger pipes of data and getting it to come up really, really fast. So that's where the marriage of these three technologies coming together, which is 
uh, uh, ARVR as a platform, as a computing platform, AI for con- uh, to make sure that the information that you're getting is really uh, intelligent and contextual to the user who's listening to that uh, or experiencing that, sorry. And then the third part is where the bandwidth of this is uh, uh, something that becomes really important. So 5G, AI, and XR is as crucial as three, as about 10 plus years ago, uh, where it was uh, Bluetooth and an iPod or a music player-like experience plus a phone plus an internet connectivity device all coming together to make it a smartphone. So I think this whole experience is what's going to uh, make it better. Recently, I think that your, the Qualcomm-powered uh, Unreal glasses, they received 40 million uh, funding. So which which are the companies you are most excited for? So Qualcomm, when, they, when, when we as a company talk about enabling partners uh, and enabling an ecosystem, we actually take it extremely seriously. Uh, of course, like any partnership, uh, like any customer and client uh, relationship, there's ups and downs. Uh, but I do know that uh, right from our leadership all the way to uh, our, our folks working in the lab, the whole spectrum of people, they do their own individual bit to make sure that the customers get what they need. And because I've been as a part of uh, the spectrum where I've uh, where I spent a part of my career uh, working in the labs, enabling uh, the first few Android devices, I know that uh, it was very important uh, to... Uh, keep the success of each uh, individual customer uh, really, really at the, at the top of our uh, you know, charter. So as far as the ARVR OEMs are concerned, uh, we of course work with the big names, uh, which is public, uh, Google, Microsoft, uh, F- FRL, I mean, Oculus is now called as Facebook Reality Labs. And we also work with operators around the world because we are a 5G company. We are very closely connected with them as a modem company. And we have also started working with uh, companies over the last five years like Pico in China, with Enreal, um, with Shadow Creator and a bunch of other of these companies that uh, are, it's amazing how like they, they move fast. Uh, they're doing uh, their own individual bit in technology innovation. They're doing their own individual bit in trying to uh, uh, work on the ecosystem, and I do think that uh, it's uh, it's 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 a really good journey. I have to uh, also acknowledge that the our our uh, business team. I mean, as a part of the organization that I work with, where Hugo Swart, who's our uh, VPN GM, VPN GM, and uh, our other two leads, like Brian Vogelsang, who leads all operators and other uh, partnerships, and Said Bakader, who leads OEM, uh, do. Uh, have done a wonderful job in kind of uh, over the past couple of years, also continuing to strengthen uh, uh, some of these uh, relationships uh, more and more. So I think uh, it's, it's been a good symbiosis. Uh, can I talk about one particular customer we're excited about? No, because it's not just being unfair. We genuinely are uh, very much invested in the success of the space and helping um, each of these partners get the right platform and support from Qualcomm in order to achieve that. Uh, Adoption uh, is still slow when it comes to AR, VR, MR. Where do you see the the problem with the adoption? Is awareness a problem? It's multiple factors. I think, uh, first of all, I do not think that there is an... There is not, I wouldn't call it as an adoption issue. I think I, 
when I, when I look at it now, I feel that we are going through a, a similar phase, like what phones went through about 15, 20 years ago. In fact, I do feel the only thing with the VR and AR, uh, what happened was four years ago, uh, there was a there was an immense hype around the space, and uh, there were multiple companies that came up uh, in this space, and um, there was a lot of funding that happened in this space. But like any other technology, it goes to the you know like the innovators dilemma, the uh, crest and the throw. Uh, path and a pattern. And I think now we are in the, uh, I think the, space, the time of uh, consumer VR has arrived with Quest 2. Uh, Quest helped make that happen. Quest 2 is exploding that. Um, Mark Zuckerberg in his uh, earnings call recently mentioned that the demand is five times uh, for Quest 2 than what they had expected. Uh, so that success speaks volumes and it's still a gaming device and there will be other uh, use cases that uh, will come through future devices. For AR, it has started with the enterprise space and it will eventually get to the consumer space when the three things fall in place together. One is the right form factor, uh, which means the right technology. Second is the right content and third is the right price. I think the mix of content, price, and technology, when it blends together, uh, that's when things fall in place. It happened the same thing for smartphone. Uh, the first Android phone or the first uh, uh, iPhone were not the first smartphones. Uh, there were there were other products that had come before that, that called themselves as smartphones, but sometimes the screens were too small. Sometimes the user experience was still typing. It was more of a small laptop on a handheld device. Uh, but this requires a different kind of a thinking. This requires a different sort of uh, user interface experience. So there's a lot that needs to happen for it to, uh, for say my aunt or my, uh, uh, my cousin working in healthcare to just put on this device and start intuitively using just like the first uh, few Android phones and uh, iOS phones uh, did. So that's, I think, where we are on the cusp of seeing that explosion right now. This shouldn't be a question to you, but since you are partners, I mean, we don't have Oculus Quest 2 over here. We don't have NVL. In fact, we don't have STC. We don't have any. We, neither do we have Microsoft. How important is India as a market for Qualcomm? And how important do you think it should be a market for like the giants such as Facebook or Microsoft or, or an STC? There is definitely a lot of... Uh, thought and energy and work that goes in keeping uh, in, in the India market. We, there's, there's a lot of work that happens. Uh, I mean, right from the brand awareness to having a huge R&D center in India, one of the biggest R&D centers outside the US uh, for Qualcomm is in India. And from a market perspective, uh, working with all the uh, big smartphone brands uh, in outside of India that are investing in India and are in India who are trying to uh, also uh, go big, I think it's it's huge. Uh, and, you know, some most of this is public, like our relationship with uh, Reliance and Geo, and there's a lot that's happening there. But again, uh, since I'm not involved in that, uh, I can't comment on the specifics, but I can say that uh, there's definitely a huge amount of... Uh, 
that there's a lot of work that happens in making sure that the India market is successful. From a VR AR perspective, I think you know I I don't see it as a matter of um, if India is important. I mean, uh, uh, it's it's just on the market just started opening up. Uh, the early adopters are in the US right now, and uh, India is going to be a market of scale for sure. I mean, any when I think of the background and the city, I grew up in Kolhapur, uh, which is a city in uh, Maharashtra, close to uh, Mumbai, um, a couple of hours south of, a few hours south of uh, uh, Pune. And some of my friends uh, 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 with whom I went to school today have... uh, haven't traveled outside the country and some of them haven't even traveled outside of Maharashtra. So when I think about um, these friends of mine uh, being able to experience a 360 video of uh, a New York City or the beaches of uh, 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 San Diego uh, or Hawaii, uh, it's because today these friends of mine do see this on YouTube. They see it on the phone. Uh, but being there is going to make a lot of difference. Now, it's just not for them. Even for somebody like me at, uh, on the content side, because I was talking from a device perspective, even from a content perspective, um, I haven't been to the city in years. And my only medium today to experience or be connected to that is through looking at pictures uh, on the web or through what my friends put up on Facebook. The ability to put on a VR device today here and just finding myself in my school uh, or the playground where I grew up in um, uh, with any 360 videos built there is it's not a matter of it. It's a matter of when. Now, the other aspect here is that India market needs three uh, pillars for the explosion of this in terms of content. One is uh, cricket. Second is uh, uh, Bollywood. And third is uh, religion. So uh, cricket, having a uh, uh, being in a uh, VR and uh, just like how it's been done for NBA, the ability to wear a VR device and watch uh, cricket matches live is going to be a phenomenal experience for multiple people. The ability to find yourself in a um, Siddhivinayak temple or a Tirupati Balaji temple or a Haji Ali uh, or Mother Mary's church on a, a Sunday morning mass, just wearing your VR device and finding yourself in that ambience while being in the comfort of your home uh, hundreds of miles away is going to be really critical. Uh, Bollywood, finding yourself sitting right next to a Ranveer Singh or a Deepika Padukone uh, while having a live uh, eye for a Filmfare Awards and being a part of that experience watching uh, a Hrithik Roshan dance in stage front of you rather than watching it on a screen uh, is is going to be really crucial. So there's a lot of content that is being developed today that and the space already exists. It's the right, again, as I said, I go back to that content uh, price devices uh, is are the devices that are being built today uh, at that price point factor at that comfort factor uh, that folks in India uh, would use is something that uh, all companies are thinking about on how to scale and how to go about it. So I do think that uh, nobody's going to uh, uh, nobody's taking the scale in India. Uh, 
lightly. Everybody's taking it very seriously, but I think the market's taking its own uh, time and space. I have always strongly felt the sense of a community that be it uh, highs and lows in life, uh, the ability to share it with people who mean a lot to you uh, makes these experiences richer. If I can have a platform where my friends and family in India can see uh, and experience some of the world that's outside uh, and experience what um, the U.S. has to offer in terms of uh, some of its beauty here and vice versa. This, uh, the, the perception of what India is, uh, is very different for most people here. Uh, and so the ability for somebody to wear a VR headset here and just say experience wholly in India, right? Or experience the madness in Wankhede Stadium uh, during a T20 and World Cup. Those experiences in words and on um, digital platforms like a YouTube or Facebook TV can be seen, but the experiential part comes when you're able to wear a VR device and be there. Uh, during Ganesh Visarjan, for example, when people uh, come on the streets, irrespective of their uh, religion and uh, background and bringing in uh, the society uh, uh, fabric of India, they're all there um, uh, shouting Ganpati Bappa Mori and just towards one goal. Those experiences uh, need to be, uh, those experiences need to be experienced by being there. And VR is the only platform that does that. AR, education, the first time my nine-year-old wore glasses, AR glasses, and she saw the solar system, a virtual solar system, I can never erase that from my memory. I actually, you know, she walking to this, trying to touch uh, uh, these virtual planets and having an experiential understanding rather than just reading it or thinking about it, uh, it she, she's, she just knows it. So those experiences, I'm very excited for India as well, because I do think that uh, imagine uh, kids from a background where they have an opportunity to wear AR glasses from modest backgrounds and then uh, your education plays such an important role in the uh, system fabric of India. Uh, it will take education to a different level. Uh, it will uh, make them experience cricket and Bollywood and outside the country experiences and understanding the culture of what's beyond India in a different level. Today, nobody talks about smartphones as just being a technology with 30 or 60 megapixels of camera and you know uh, having X number of cameras and so on and so forth. They talk about how um, a farmer in India is able to look at the weather and make decisions appropriately, or um, a young college kid coming out of a college in Mumbai is able to order a uh, Ola cab and just go home. Like these experiences become a part of your nature to help uh, people focus on other things in life. So those are the kind of experiences I'm excited about uh, India as a country. Uh, my friends out there and also my friends uh, here to make them experience about the culture. Yeah, yeah. So, so yes, a VR has the capability where it can take you from storytelling to story experiencing. You know, we are just kind of scraping the surface, you know, with virtual reality, 
I mean, there is there is volumetric capture, you know, where <laughs> then there is haptic feedback. Just imagine you are in a movie and possibly you're holding Shah Rukh Khan. How exciting would that be? And you spoke about experiential learning, right? Yes, I mean, I guess that's the future. I mean, it, it could just democratize education. Would you like to even talk about a little bit of enterprise use cases? Uh, enterprise use cases are going to play a huge part. Uh, we are... Uh, involved with some of our partners, there's studies that we've done. Uh, in fact, Qualcomm, my, one of my colleagues, Brian Vogelsang, uh, he has uh, successfully uh, launched this uh, program we are called as the XR Enterprise Program uh, with uh, some of our other folks at Qualcomm and a lot of enterprise partners uh, in order to bring these partners together and provide a platform where uh, we can accelerate some of these use cases. So uh, in in terms of, uh, I will talk about my uh, one of my favorite use cases, I think in the enterprise space is also on the healthcare side. I, and I think it covers a full spectrum. And what I mean by full spectrum is there's a medical student uh, today, I think COVID is not able to go to school in person, but if he has a AR device, and has a table at home and has a virtual frog or virtual body that he or she can work on and learn, uh, that becomes an uh, amazing aspect of learning. Uh, there are virtual surgeries and operations from not only from a learning perspective, but also from a remote assistance perspective where you can help and train doctors uh, through these devices that uh, comes into play. Very recently, I was a part of a panel for this uh, event called as EWTS, uh, which is a huge enterprise uh, conference that happens uh, usually, uh, I believe, in Austin, and this year it was virtual. And as a part of that, uh, I had this gentleman uh, who was, uh, uh, as a part of that panel, there was a gentleman who was from GE, and he spoke about how he has himself seen the transformation of the factory workers uh, from uh, not being aware of AR to now using uh, like HoloLens to uh, seamlessly for their uh, enterprise use cases. So again, there's a lot of use cases uh, uh, in each of these domains that uh, we can talk about. But I personally always feel that education and healthcare are two. Uh, for me personally, I always uh, feel very much drawn towards seeing how they're impacting uh, human lives on a day-to-day -day basis uh, from a learning perspective, from a teaching perspective, from an experiential perspective. Uh, and I think that's uh, something that I really like uh, as well. What may, what comes after XR1 and XR2? When do we see XR3? Will it, what, what is this going to bring to the table? It's going to be more sensors, more uh, performance or more optimization? I think uh, the North Star is clear for us. Uh, the North Star is clear that the devices are going to continuously become lighter in weight, are going to become more powerful in, their, in the content that they use. And uh, they are going to require more and more ability to function at extremely low power. That's our North Star. Uh, the North Star is that we want to make all technology changes so that we work towards this, where one day on these glasses, we have uh, a chipset somewhere around here, uh, and it has all the compute capabilities that's required 
to uh, for the experiences required for XR uh, that has uh, 5G connectivity and also has the AI. That's the journey we are on. Uh, now, the XR1 and XR2 are uh, did not follow one after the other. XR1 and XR2 are essentially two segments. It's like uh, XR2 is more uh, a more powerful custom for VR, and XR1 is more custom for viewers kind of devices. So uh, how we do the next generation of XR2, how we work on next generation of XR1, are the problems that keep uh, me and my colleagues uh, at Qualcomm awake at night right now on what we need to do and how can we continuously push the technology on a further. Uh, this, I think it's exciting. The space is exciting. Uh, we're just getting started. Uh, we have amazing partnerships. And uh, the good thing is that we, as a company, we're invested in the success of the space and we're working with other partners who are invested in the success of the space. So I do think that it's uh, it's going to be a fun uh, ride. So where do you see AR, VR, MR in the next 10 years? Not, not just AR, VR, MR, but also Qualcomm. So uh, I think you said three things, AR, VR, Qualcomm, and me. So I'll start, I'll go in that order. AR, VR, I think is going to be uh, something that's going to be that people are hearing about it right now uh, but it's going to be something that people are just going to know i know that my kids are going to learn and experience and connect and communicate and socialize uh, and experience and interact with the digital world and their own world uh, very much using this as a platform over the next 10 to 15 years i i have zero doubts about that uh, i'm hoping that uh, even the space in india like we're speaking uh, we have this particular uh, video that goes down uh, your memory lanes of uh, the Xtrom podcast and like eight, ten years down the line, you and I are speaking again and we're saying, remember when we were saying that people did not know about VR, AR and we spoke about Bollywood and cricket as a use case. It's happening right now. We're seeing this today with a um, whatever device then, right at that time. Uh, so that's where I think AR, VR, I think is going to be... Uh, uh, Going to see its growth, uh, and even if it takes some time, it's going to be uh, it's uh, in Hindi, as they say, "der ay durustai." Like you know, even if it's a little late, uh, it should come the right way. And I think uh, patience is the virtue here. As far as Qualcomm's concerned, uh, I do think that uh, the I am I couldn't have been prouder of what we've achieved so far, and I couldn't be uh, excited about what what the company is. Uh, investing and thinking about the future and success of AR VR. Uh, I think that's what uh, separates Qualcomm uh, as a leader uh, as compared to uh, some of its uh, contemporaries and colleagues who have their own strengths, but I think uh, I, I think very highly of how um, the company thinks about the future of technology. And as far as I am concerned, uh, I've enjoyed the journey so far uh, of being in AR-VR and I'm hoping to stay in the space uh, and uh, continue working in AR and VR. Uh, I do uh, love how it is um, impacting, uh, it will start impacting uh, people uh, and their lives with some of these use cases. So I am excited to be on this journey. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Thank you. Thank you. Hiran. really appreciate you taking time being part of XRM Podcast. I got into AR, VR, MR early 2016. And from that time onwards till right now, it's completely been a learning uh, experience. There, there have been lots of downs. There's been few ups, but it's been super exciting because I 
see AR, VR, MR as the technology which will replace the 2D platform that has taken over 100 years to evolve. I see that we will jump dive into the 3D world where we will start interacting with uh, digital objects as how we interact with the physical objects. I'm excited about this, that future where every kid, maybe if, if he's sitting in, in the urban area or the rural area, having a device which will enable them to have the same kind of education what maybe somebody who's sitting in America is having. I'm excited that uh, the geography is becoming history. Microsoft recently announced that they have given work from home option forever for all its employees, almost 50% of its employees, except for engineers. How will that transform the future of work? Will people use VR? Will a, uh, we have a headset uh, or a head wearable device, maybe like this, or maybe a, a contact lens? I'm, I'm super excited about that. And, and to know that all of that is going to be powered by you. <laughs> and, and, and this other, I mean, I'm sure you must be super excited. So I, I wish you the very best. And I, I wish you and all the creators out there, innovators out there to keep on tinkering, keep on finding and creating that tool which will enable mankind. I only hope and I wish and I pray that whatever we build becomes something that enables mankind and, and creates an equitable future. On that note, uh, thank you, Rain. It was a pleasure and honor to have you on XR Podcast. No, thank you very much, Eddie. I, I must say before I uh, we end this that I you know you and I have exchanged messages over the past two years, and uh, I feel extremely uh, proud of the work that you're doing uh, to help keep the awareness of this space in India. Uh, and I. You know, I'm a very, very small part of this huge ecosystem that's working in making this uh, space successful. Uh, and so I feel just like you, I feel uh, uh, lucky, blessed, uh, humbled to be a part of the space and learn uh, here. So congratulations to you on uh, the amazing work that you keep doing uh, selflessly to uh, keep this uh, space, the awareness of the space for our uh, friends in India. And of course, now with YouTube as a channel uh, globally as well. So uh, congratulations to you on that. And I'm hoping that, uh, you know, we see the growth of this space. The aspect of it touching mankind, uh, I couldn't have agreed more on that point. I do know that there are people today who look at uh, skepticism to the space. They did the same thing with television. They did the same thing with smartphones. They did the same thing with tablets. Uh, but we do need that kind of feedback. Uh, television, smartphones, uh, laptops, tablets as product segments to have helped push the mankind uh, uh, for the better ahead. And of course, there are uh, folks who get addicted to some of these platforms and the way some of these folks uh, consume these platforms is not good. But it was it's been the same thing for any technical advancement. So I do see that these, this space is going to uh, help uh, the mankind in le learning and expressing and 
connecting and creating communities uh, and uh, just providing platforms uh, like we've never seen before. So it's going to be amazing to be on this journey and uh, we'll see how it works out. So Lovely. Thank you. It's a pleasure and honor to have you. And to my listeners, if you, thank you. If you like what you see in here, please press the subscribe button until next time. See you guys. Goodbye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Eddie.